Freight waves continues to fall. The incredibly sad story of Indianapolis-based carrier Seldon Group abruptly shutting its doors, leaving 4,000 people without jobs weeks before Christmas. We here at Freight Waves want to help. Freight Waves has established a free job board for companies to post their openings and for people looking for employment in the freight industry to share their resumes. There's no cost for anyone to participate. Hundreds of jobs have already been added to the site. If you're looking for employment or have a job to post, head to FreightWaves.Careers. Welcome to Four Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with John Elliott, CEO of Load One. Good afternoon, Craig. So Glad you, to be here. Yeah, well, appreciate you coming in. I'm excited to have an expediter here at uh, Fuller Speed Ahead. Uh, I spent uh, about two years in expedite trucking. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it was the greatest part. I, I had so much fun in it because it was always this last-minute uh, recovery freight or emergency freight that had to be moved. and. The action of that was was addictive. So I, I worked a lot. We we did a lot of work with Express One and before X before it became Mike XBO, Welch days and the Mike Welch and Jim Welch days. Yeah, good friends, so, good friends of mine. Yeah. So I, I rest in peace to Mike. Uh, was was uh, certainly That's a terrible a, loss. A dear mentor to me uh, yeah. when I was much younger. But I, I, the, the expedite industry is a small uh, a part of the freight industry, but a really important part of what goes on in transportation. Yeah, we're really the uh, the critical niche. I mean, in a perfect world, nobody wants to call us. It's much like nobody wants to call an ambulance. It's you you want to make a doctor's appointment. It's very expensive. You, know, you want to you want to drive yourself to the hospital. You yeah. don't want to call an ambulance, and that's really what we are. But I mean, there's there's times that it just has to happen. There's supply chain disruptions that occur, uh, quality control disruptions, uh, and then there's just things that just happen that require that kind of critical level of service and the freight to be monitored and tracked uh, for those those kind of levels. And sometimes it's security reasons, sometimes it's last minute. I mean, we have everything from uh, airplanes that go down that need a jet engine to an auto part uh, supplier that goes down to, I mean, we, we've even had like restaurant chains. You know, we had a, the famous donut company was opening up a new store in Dallas, Texas. Their first, or the first one in Texas ever, the governor was gonna be there. Uh, the donut mix got damaged yeah. in route, and you know we had to expedite two 50-pound bags or 30-pound bags of donut mix from the Carolinas, nonstop, to get to Texas so they could make the donuts. Yeah. When the governor cut the the ribbon, walk through the door. Yeah, the expedite business is, was so much fun. We did everything from moving Dick Cheney's luggage uh, uh, between uh, sites when he was uh, running for election. An another time we we just hold... said, we just said when it was a. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's gym, personal okay. gym, that he moves to every movie location to work yeah. out. And he's he got to make sure it's there. Yeah, all, he like he monitors that to make yeah. sure it's, 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 it's important to him. It's something that he wants done and done at a certain level. So. One of my favorite shipments we did was uh, when Molson Beer sold the Coors, we hauled, so he, he had a, a closing party in Baja, California, whoever the, the CEO or chairman of Molson was. And we hauled Molson beer from Canada all the way to Baja, California, and it was like a pallet of beer. 
and we're like, why are we hauling a pallet of beer? Yeah. All, there's a lot of beer in Mexico, yeah. but it was because they had sold. They announced it, but they, it was all this sort of, dip, you know, they wanted it there. But the x business is... I think it's just fascinating industry. It's relatively small, but 10,000 trucks, I think, was sort of the number. Uh, I, I honestly, I think that's an overestimate. I mean, a lot of truckload carriers claim to mm-hmm. do expedite, um, and their idea of what expedite is versus what expedite is at a level, you know, your top five expedite providers in the U.S. are really, it's, it's a different product. Um, you know, we run everything from sprinter vans, uh, sleeper straight trucks, team straight trucks, lift gates, tractor trailers, dry van. I mean, we even have uh, 30... Uh, or 30 tractors that just haul um, specialized retractable curtain sides oh, wow. to do high dollar, high value kind of things. Um, you know, everything from rocket engines that help uh, take some of these spaceships to the, that we're seeing go up now all the time to, you know, I, one of the, I that was really cool. I was laughing because when the one finally landed and didn't blow up, I was like thinking I was disappointed because, well, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, to, yeah. no, no, John, the good news is those ro- engines got to go off and go back and be refurbished and then go back. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess that's good. Yeah, you, know, you get everything from that to. I mean, we hauled uh, we hauled Bumblebee out to Jackson Barrett one time. You know, for the Transformers. And that. Oh, the, I mean, the, the car. Yeah, the yeah. The, well, the, the yeah. giant you know yeah. mock-up robot or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fascinating business. I mean, yeah, you know, yes, it's a lot of auto parts. It's a lot of manufacturing parts, uh, aerospace, uh, you know, uh, healthcare, things like that. But there are there are definitely some very interesting nuanced items that get thrown in there that, that keeps it interesting for sure. I remember we uh, we used to joke you're not carrying cancer in freight and then uh, one time we had uh, uh, live organs that we were the only folks that mm-hmm. could meet there and medical equipment going into surgery so a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah we had we had uh, about six nine months ago we had an emergency load and it was uh, baby formula mm-hmm. and as crazy as that sounds they had a uh, an infant that was in a hospital in Cleveland and it was a, the child was, it was determined it was allergic to all these things. And there was just a very certain kind of baby formula that this child could have. And the child hadn't been able to eat in like days. Oh, wow. And that, and literally we had to go 700 miles nonstop with a sprinter van to get that there where you literally knew there was an infant waiting and that was going to be the fastest route to be able to get that there. You know, with through security and all those items, and yeah. not take a chance of trying to put it on a plane or you know losing custody and control yeah. of it. We we had we, we would do a lot of recovery on. Uh, I remember we did a load for TRW. It was an mm-hmm. airbag, and the truck. It was a truck that had shut down 60 miles outside the plant. And my ex-wife is uh, 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 Colombian, and so we. It was one night about 10 o'clock at night, and I'm on the floor at our old uh, operation, and TRW calls, and she's. The person on the phone is in El Paso. Uh, the person on the phone, she's the only person that spoke Spanish that happened to be up there. And she quoted a load. It was like a $12,000 margin load for 60 miles. And she got it because it was, uh, it was they needed it right then. And the, yeah. the alternative was the plant was going to shut down because of this airbag component or something they had. Yeah, I would love to say we have those kind of margins. I mean, we're obviously, we're a lot higher uh, dollar to move. Mm-hmm. But we're also incredibly inefficient. When you look at the world of transportation or trucking, um, everyone wants to optimize. You're, you're trying to squeeze every penny. How do you pre-plan? You know, we're the polar opposite. You know, yeah. we're 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 dealing with everything on the fly. We are the most inefficient model there is. But you're so, dealing with all the stuff. You're the cleanup guys. Yeah. you have to clean yep. up the stuff that's. Yeah, it's like it, again, I, I use the ambulance reference. Yeah. you know, and you know, why do they have thirty uh, percent more ambulance runs on a Wednesday night? than on a Tuesday night. 
you know, what in the world changed? But yeah. it just does. Things yeah. all make sense. Um, those things sh shift dramatically. You know, I mean, we, we have to deal with, sometimes we can anticipate a little bit uh, natural disasters. Mm -hmm. When we see those coming, we're able to reposition equipment and shift accordingly to support our customers or government or relief agencies and things like that. But most of it is just very little planning, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, it, I always, you know, sometimes I'll talk to drivers and they'll be like, well, why can't we get like steady business? And I'm like, well, if a customer had to use us steady, steady, <laughs> it's expensive. They're going to be out of business. Well, I mean, I, it is I, not the optimal way to optimize your supply called, chain. I got called into a, it was a national big box retailer and we were hauling a lot of their freight. What they would do is at the end of the day at 4 p.m., they would just send over all the leftover freight. Now they're routing 10,000 loads a day and mm -hmm. we were handling 20 or 30. It wasn't huge, but we, they were spending a lot of money because we were two, three, four times the price. And they were upset because we were taking too much freight. And I'm like, if we're your first call, you got a problem. Like, we yeah. should be your, we can be your first last call. We should not be the default call because stuff's not good. You have a problem in your operation. Yeah. We'll respond, but that's it. There are times it's security. You know, we, we uh, one of my biggest, you know, it's funny you watch the evolution or change of, of the world and the electronic world. I mean, one of my biggest customers used to be one of the, the people that produced the DVDs for all the movies. Yep. And those were uh, not only, you know, they were critical as far as, you know, when it used to be a big thing when the movies were going to be released on DVD mm -hmm. and everyone, you know, wanted yeah. those movies the weekend they came out. And on top of that, a lot of them were, they weren't released yet. Right. So, um, you know, they're, they're high value because they didn't want those movies getting to the black market. Yeah, and they're, and they're, very, they're very valuable. I bet it's yeah. out of Memphis and uh, you know a it place well. in California. <laughs> so I think I want to. Yeah. I and they used to have a large facility in Detroit as well. I had a lot <laughs> I'd of that say name that customer, but yeah. you know, I watched how that customer had to evolve and change when suddenly, yeah, you know, when's the last time you bought a DVD? Yeah. You download a movie yeah. now. You know? still, I think they're still big, relative big in oh, yeah. freight. They yeah, do other types yeah. Of they, freight. They, they've, they've shifted their business model, moved yeah. into some logistics, and they're still a good customer. But yeah. I can remember uh, you know, days when you would get around towards the holidays, like this time of year, and, and they'd have blockbuster movie releases. Oh, yeah. And it would literally be, you know, give me one truck an hour around oh, the yeah. clock, and, nonstop. And it, and, it was, and it wasn't just you. Like, everybody no. was there. No, and it didn't matter if there was one pallet ready to go or, or if there was... Uh, 30. On a release, we do 20 to 30 loads just out of like Memphis or yep. I'm trying to think of a place in California. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Starting with a C. Yeah. Uh, in my hours, did the C. Cupertino, yeah. maybe Cupertino? Uh, no, it was Cupertino close, but that's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Memphis, Detroit, uh, and yeah, I'm drawing a blank now in yeah. California City as well, but. It's, uh, I, I enjoyed the Expedite business. It was, uh, it was fun. We, I remember right after September 11, uh, September 11 hit, and I was working at the airport because we had an air, in those days had an airport to airport operation that competed against Ford Air. They ended up buying it after they just destroyed, like Bruce Campbell and Andy Clark completely obliterated our business because they were just really hard to compete with, Ford Air was. But I was. Oh, Andy I was, went to Panther later. Yeah, so he I, was at Panther, and then Steve Robinson, and now he's doing some uh, uh, consulting. He's been at our conference and stuff. But, um, but I remember right after September 11th, I, I was working at the DFW airport, and the the planes had hit the towers, and the, and if you live and work at the airport, you can always hear the aircraft in the background. It's just sort, of, sort of like you don't even notice it; it just becomes routine. Yeah. But I remember it was this really eerie, eerie quiet. And about four o'clock in the afternoon, the phone rang because all the aircraft were shut down. And we got called, I think it was 40 or 50 truckloads going from St. Louis to Andrews Air Force Base in Washington. We had no idea what it was. And we were told basically, Joe up. It's, but we hauled a lot of freight. You knew at some point, some, you know, some, something was happening. 
Yeah, um, it was uh, it was pretty devastating to us. I mean, not not just what happened to our country and that, mm-hmm. but as a company, you know, at that time, my largest customer was Jaguar, and we were uh, they had just launched the S Type, which was not one of the best automotive launches in history. It was, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> not a pretty, not no. a very pretty car. No. Do, been, do, you, uh, do you still do business with Jaguar? Uh, no. Okay. I don't, th- I don't think we do. I think we maybe a little bit. Really no, yeah, I, I've had Jaguar, yeah. Yeah, I had, oh, I had a number of them, and that's part of how I got the business. And uh, but they launched that model. So when you look at 50% of your fleet loaded inbound to airports, hmm. Because you know they, they were, we were running charter planes over to England For every day. And stuff. All the oh, because the, there were so many quality control problems, and suddenly every airport shut down. Won't take the freight. Yeah. Suppliers aren't taking the freight back. Yeah. It's like no, half, your, it, half of your fleet became landlocked for weeks. Yeah, yeah. And just you know. We did a. We were doing a lot of ground because when the aircraft got shut down, people were looking for capacity, and, and so we were actually moving a lot of freight. Uh, on the ground is a sort of recovery um, yeah. operation. So we were more truckload then. We had evolved into being a true expedite carrier. Oh, at so that you point. guys were originally just truckload? Uh, yeah, we were a regional truckload. Okay. And then we first started, and it was about uh, two to three years into it that the expedite piece came through. And I'd love to tell you it was an epiphany of mine or something. Probably about two years into it. But um, a <laughs> lady named Jenny was my very first employee. And uh, when I started off, and I, I've been an operations manager for a truckload uh, carrier. You know, I, I come from a truckload family. Um, you know, my grandfather started a trucking company, uh, still runs today. Um, you know, my father was an executive in trucking for years. And, of course, what else am I going to do? I, I said, the hell with that. I'm getting out of trucking, and I got a degree <laughs> in aviation management. You can see how that worked out for yeah. me. Now well, I am I, one of the largest expert yeah. companies in the U.S. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she came to work for me, and uh, it, it was funny because once we started to add employees, well, suddenly she was very mother henny. Hennish about the whole thing and, you know, thumping her chest and said, I'm like, Jenny, Jenny, you're not the boss. You're just, just as you were first, yeah. the boss. Well, she struggled with that. So she left, went to a really small, like 10 truck expedite company in Detroit. About two, three months later, she calls me up. She says, John, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I realized completely and this, that, and I'd like to come back. I'm like, Jenny, as long as you understand, I'd love to have you back. As long as you can play nice with everyone and, and this, that. And she's like, yeah, I got it. So she came back. And uh, shows up at my office door one day, and she goes, John, she goes, uh, this company over there, they had, they had one guy, he, he was an owner-operator, he had a straight truck and a cargo van. And um, because you know, they're playing with the numbers, they're, they're cheating this guy, he's a super nice guy, and this, that. And I'm like, Jenny, we're 53102. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I have no idea what I would do with a cargo van. I said, no, that's not what we do. Okay. A week later, she was at my office door again, John. Three weeks later, she's at my store again. Finally, I'm like, oh. <laughs> she's like, I think I can keep them moving. This, that. I said, okay, Jenny, you got to do, you do your regular job, too. You know, this doesn't work. It's going away. And, you know, today we're the, proud to say we're the largest privately held expedite company in the U.S. In my book, I'll make it an epiphany that I saw market <laughs> forces shifting and coming. But it never uh, really, Jenny would, Jenny would have to be the true story of how that, uh, how that started. So my expedite was I was... Uh, I was calling on air freight forwarders at the DFW airport, mm-hmm. and because we had this airport-to-airport operation that U.S. Express had ran, and I would—I was known as a truckload guy because I had been in truckload, and all of the L- airport-to-airport LTO folks didn't understand truckload, so they didn't want to sell what they called it exclusive use vehicles, and so they would call me up at the DFW airport, and so I got this idea that I was going to start a business, and I went to my dad and said, "Hey, I." I think I can get six to eight loads a day. And he sort of patted me on the head and goes, well, why don't you do it with us? And so, uh, and he goes, I'll give you a fleet. So 
this is uh, 2002, the economy was slow, freight was slow, um, but they never delivered the fleet as operations people were not going to do it. They just didn't believe in giving you know, the boss's son a fleet to run. So, but I had all these customers. That's why I don't work for my family either. <laughs> I don't either. I it's, it's a mixed blessing, but, but you know. But all these tr uh, loads were lined up, and I was able to get it. And so I, I, I started, you know, getting upset because I'm like, I had customers, and I call, and my, uh, my dad makes some phone calls, and and I get a phone call and said, you can have as many trucks as you want within six hours of 60 major U.S. markets. And they thought, I think at the time they thought we'd get two or three loads a day. We built that business. We were doing about 140 million in revenue in two years, and it was basically on-demand trucking. And it was just we would we took everything. You never said no. Yep. And I you got can't, you can't in our business. What's that? You can't in our business. No. And I remember we we had a company called CTX. Remember CTX? Mm -hmm. Yep. They came down and they pitched. They're still in existence. They're they're right down the street from me. Okay. Well, they're they were, pretty they small were part of. Uh, I thought they got shut Central down. Uh, part of Universal now. Oh, that's why they got they got yeah, shifted, part of right? Universal. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. They came down. There was a sales guy that came down, and he talked about three dollar mile rates, and no one believed him. They're like, "You can't get three dollars a mile. We're, we're getting a dollar twenty. This is like as big as they could get." And it was just an eye opening experience. But I, it was it was a lot of fun. Oh, there were times like I mean, I was seeing better rates on a cargo van than I was on a tractor trailer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that market shifted back. Obviously, well, I mean, there were times when we were you know seven. I mean, literally, you could get six, seven, eight dollars a mile because we didn't have a fixed matrix. We would walk yeah. into shippers and say, "We'll give you as much capacity as you want, but we can't guarantee a price." And we would end up turning a hundred, two hundred loads a day because you just couldn't. We couldn't it's, well, it's the it. ultimate supply demand model. Exactly, it really and, is. And, and, and but it only exists. It exists. There's always a, a supply and demand imbalance somewhere. Um, but there are certain times of the month and certain times of the year where there's an, a, a massive supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, Traditionally, uh, now the last year or two has been much like a lot of carriers. Yeah. yeah. Well, last much year different. was was really oh. tight. We would have made yeah. a lot of money in those days. Yeah. If I were still there, um, yeah. the challenge that we had—I was a lot happier last year than this year. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you were. Yeah. I had heard that the in, um, which I think it was in May, that sixty percent of the we had an expedite that we we talked to, said sixty percent of his business was had dropped off in the month of May. No, Bob Poulos, guys, yeah, that, yeah, Bob Poulos, yeah, yeah, you know no, Bob. Bob. Oh, no. Yeah, um, yeah it, uh, the whole market definitely took a, a downturn. Has it, has it gone back? Um, it you know, it's firmed up somewhat. Uh, you know the problem is we live and die in the spot market. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, on you the high eighty percent of our business. Spot. You're not even like mm -hmm. spot as what most people. You're on the extreme side of the spot yeah. market. Yeah, it's you can look at we can look at every chart. We can look at that. It'll give us a tiny glimpse yeah. of an indication, but it really is not a telling. Story I mean, you're the for first us. to go when the market when the economy yes. slows down. We're the we're the lead indicator up yeah. or down. Now, on a bright note, hopefully for your viewers, we're starting to see some strengthening in the last couple of weeks. Which gives me a is little it bit. All, of, is it seasonal, or do you think it's really fundamental? I think it's, to, it, it's traditionally for us. This is a little too late in the season. Okay. So I'm hoping it's it's fundamentals. I mean, there were a lot of weird things. We had the tariffs this year. Um, you know, the GM strike. There were just a lot of factors that affected our market. On top of the increased capacity yeah. placed upon it. I mean, uh, you got those things um, in our world that the the small van market is really oversaturated, um, and you've got a is lot it, of. ELDs are not a factor, right? No, not, not in that, not in that class, under 10,000. So did you see a lot of the 18-wheeler uh, guys shift into the sprinters? Not so much. I think, you know what, um, I, well, we see the migration more of the tractor-trailer guys is that they move into the straight trucks. Okay. You know, sometimes you get a little older, it's a little more comfortable for them to handle that versus the 
Uh, it's easier to park. It's easier to get in and out of places. Yeah. And you know, a lot of our uh, a lot of our story trucks are teams. And what what they'll find is that the, when they get older, the wife says, well, "I want to go with you." She's not going to get a Class A mm. and drive that truck. But they're a lot more open-minded to drive a Class B yeah. sleeper straight truck. I mean, we've got a lot of them that um, we're going to buy big motor homes. Let's say and retire and drive around America. Well, instead, they got you know a 110-inch sleep custom sleeper on that straight truck. 22-foot box, they're driving around America getting paid for it. Yeah. You know, if they get somewhere like they get San Diego, they, a lot of times they'll say, hey, we're going off three days. They'll go to the campground, pull it right into an RV spot, hook it up, and yeah, go to the see zoo what they want to see. Check yeah. out platypuses. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. They, you know, they can see around America, visit their families, yeah. this, that. So they really enjoy it. Um, the van market, you know, again, it's, it's like a lot of things. It, it, the, the barrier to entry is very low and that. So you see a ton going in, a ton going out. And unfortunately, what we've really struggled for is... Uh, the legal aspect of it. Um, being that those vehicles are unregulated, um, they don't have to display DOT numbers, mm. and that unless you pull hazmat and certain things, which a lot of them don't care. Um, they don't, being the fact that they don't get pulled in the scales generally, they don't get checked. They don't tend to carry the proper insurance, and that, that's why you see a ton of unmarked vehicles there driving around. A, there was a big bankruptcy a few weeks ago. It was an RV hauler. Uh, that yeah, had the second largest RV hauler in the country had filed bankruptcy because of a nuclear lawsuit because they mm-hmm. they were using like F-150s or F-350s yep. to haul these RVs. Yeah. Um, are those guys in your market? Do you see them coming? Not in the now? RVs like that, but the van problem is very similar. These guys are running around. They run on their own insurance versus running on the carrier's insurance. These carriers, you know, we're, we're a traditional model. Every vehicle in our fleet, whether it's a Sprinter van, a straight truck, or a tractor trailer, we insure. Yep. Our liability and cargo are on us. Um, what they call a multi-carrier, they'll take an individual. He goes gets his own policy, his own insurance policy. He doesn't need authority because mm-hmm. he's under mm-hmm. limits. Mm-hmm. So he'll, run, he'll sign up and run for three multi-carriers at one time. They're providing insurance to the customer on their cert. But it's not the actual insurance that covers a vehicle hauling their freight. Yeah. They're unmarked vehicles. They have no numbers, no names on them. You know, but they, they've saturated so much of the expedite freight market and, and driven rates down. Because, again, if I, you know, they're run, half the time they're running on car insurance. Yep. If I was paying, I, I, I read them on these guys posting online and everybody complaining about paying twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 a year for liability and physical damage and cargo. And I'm like... You know, I, I pay four, five, six times that, yeah. you know, to insure. Because, you know, we'll insure well, a Sprinter van at the same trailer. level that we insure a tractor trailer right. and that stuff. I mean, and, you know, we have customers that, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of customers, like you were saying with the RV deal, the nuclear verdicts, you know, start to get hit with accidents and liability lawsuits and things like that. And I'll try to explain to customers, like, well, John, can you match that rate? And we're like, no, we can't match that rate. And there's reasons. But if something goes wrong. Wrong. You're going you to pay for it. it. And I feel bad is how many times a customer will be like, well, well, but we got insurance. Sir. We're good. We're good. I'm like, no, you're not good. You don't have $200 million. Exactly. And when that comes into account. And, you know, sure as heck, I, I tell you what, probably every six, nine months, I'll have a customer call you up and said, hey, we've got this lawsuit going on. Or we, there's, we had a carrier had this accident and this happened. You know, their, their insurance company denied it because they said they didn't insure the vehicle. The insurance on the vehicle was denied because... It wasn't truck interstate trucking insurance. You know, somebody like State Farm doesn't write that, mm-hmm. so they deny the claim. Now they're suing us. Is this what you were talking about? And I'm like, this is exactly what I was talking about. You know, you don't have that issue if you go into the top five, six, seven expedite companies in the U.S. Yeah. All their vehicles are logoed, they're numbered, they're compliant, yeah, they're insured the proper way. But it's the Wild West. Right. It's the Wild West. You, you drive home tonight and look how many 
unmarked Sprinter vans or you know Ford Trans is driving down the road, they're not all local plumbers right. <laughs> you know, or florists. Yeah. These guys are hauling freight and just disrupting the market, you know, due to non-compliance. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's going to be interesting to sort of see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of nuclear lawsuits. Something has to be done there. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, oh, without a doubt, tort yeah. reform has to happen. Yeah. I know it's a big goal of the ATA now. They've announced, and you know, got fingers crossed, but that's good. PCA, to get John up. was saying that they're yep. also really yes. trying to get into that. I don't know. I mean, uh, we'll see what Washington does. That's going to be a big uphill battle. Yeah. You're, you're going up against uh, well, the lobbyists for the attorney, the, well, the legal side and, that's got and, and, deep pockets. You know, the Democrats don't want tort reform no. because they actually want to go. I mean, they effectively some some of the political positions are. Going to end, you know, private equity. They're trying to say that's bad and, and all sorts of stuff. So I don't know where it ends up. It's going to be an uphill battle. It's, but the, it's, at some point, though, you know, these lawsuits. I mean, the cost is. I mean, you know, we had we've had great safety numbers. You know, we're captive insurance, high deductible, do all these things. You know, camera systems in the trucks, safety systems, do all these things, and we still saw a, a double digit increase in insurance this year. You're paying for the guys that that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm what. I mean, you know, we. I'm asking, we came in at 11, percent and I, my agent looked at me and said, "That's a great number." Yeah. And when do you see a double-digit increase and say "great number" yeah. in the same sentence? Yeah. You know, but I've, I've, I've got friends in the industry and that that are seeing 20, 30 percent increases. And you're talking about first. You're talking about uh, just primary. Primary get, liability. Let get alone into secondary. catastrophic. Oh yeah, get into the secondary talking. levels. You know, and people are exiting the market. It's only going to get harder and harder. Mm-hmm. That market is going to keep firming up. I mean, I think next year and the year after are going to be the same way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's going to, I think it's unfortunately going to thin the herd even more, you know, and on one hand, and on the other hand, I think, uh, you know, it, 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 in the end, it's going to drive up rates, and, and that goes back to the consumer. Yeah. It's not free. They, all these big million-dollar lawsuits, you know, $20 million, $100 million lawsuits, ultimately it's you or me that pay that. Yeah. It's not the insurance company. No, for sure, for sure. It's, it's, it's really unfortunate. I, I wanted to ask you, um, are you independent, are these independent contractors or actually employees? We're a mix. Okay. We're a mix. Um, we have company tractors. Um, owner, the owner-operator industry is, or is uh, owner-operator based. You know, all, all the big providers are mm-hmm. in that. Um, I'm not sure why it's so different than I think the it's tractor just the world. Of yeah, the world. apparently that went back to the Roberts Express days yeah. and things like yeah. that, where the industry first started, because um, it's because they pretty much invented pretty taboo. Roberts Express. Roberts Express is really the first yeah. one to come up, and it it's it's very taboo. It's not like the tractor world where you can have a mix and that that scene that's very common and drivers don't have a problem with that, but. In the expedite world, it, it's 99% owner operator based. Yeah, we when we were in the when we were doing sort of fulfilling capacity for the expediters, um, we were using company drivers effectively to do it. I, I, I have to I have to ask you, AB5 California, this independent contractor legislation, where effectively it almost makes it impossible to have, I mean, effectively outlaws dedicated independent contractors. I'm, I'm curious, how are you thinking of that? I mean, there's discussion about it. Illinois and New Jersey also passed. And yeah, New Jersey's back on it now. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what they see as the end game there. I mean, it's sad when the American dream of owning your own business is suddenly outlawed yeah. or, or suddenly bad. It's just it's such a paradigm shift for our country. And you know, unfortunately, California tends to be a paradigm shift in I mean, California, a lot of ways. I mean, look at the power; they they won't maintain the power because of the uh, the cost and the environmental regulations around it, and then they end up having to cut it off. I mean, it's 
it's a mess. Yeah, it's an oxymoron. I mean, I was out there and I was watching the news and they were talking about uh, San Francisco airport had banned plastic water bottles. Yeah. yeah. And that, and then, and I thought, okay, I guess that makes sense. Now, but again, I don't think a lot of those things are thought through mm-hmm. well enough because they had a guy from the beverage industry speaking on the news and he goes, well, yeah, he goes, but 90% of those people are now going to get a pop or a fruit juice. Yeah, soda. And those water bottle, those bottles are five times heavier plastic. The water bottles are thinner. Yeah, yeah. He goes, so the net result is going to be more plastic generated, not less. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, and that's a, a classic example of, I think, you put the cart in front of the horse with policy and that. And I don't, I think this this independent contractor deal is, is the same type thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, uh, I mean, it's like a paintball fight of just a lot of stuff going on and everybody's sort of... It's a lose-lose. ...fired at everybody and... Yeah. It, 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 it's it, only going to drive costs up. It's only, I mean, more regulation, I don't think is ever the answer in, in any industry or any part of the country, but... No, I mean, like, I, I, as I get older, I, I've been to China where they have regulations, but then they don't honor them. Like, there are certain things that clean water that I expect clean air, but there is... There, you take it to start regulating how people operate their businesses and the right to operate a business as they see and deem fit. That's Again, that was the American dream. Yeah. We, I mean, you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. That, that's what drives this country. Yep. You know, when you start regulating out the ability to be an entrepreneur. But it's also some of the most successful companies of the past decade have been the companies that are platforms with independent contractors like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb. And effectively what the state of California is saying is those businesses are, even though they're based in our state, we're not gonna, we don't want them. So, yeah, it, it's, it is, it is a crazy I, I time. I just shake my head at it. I mean, so, I just shake my head at it. I just don't. We can't it, diagnose They that, regulate but, against yeah. their own goals. Yeah, So sure. it just, it just seems like chasing their tail. I think, I think so. And it's just gonna get, more and more pronounced we're going into an election cycle next year so uh, i mean i know it's a, you know, I'm, I'm an officer of the tca i know it's on our radar the things that we're really watching right now are concerned about to see if this if other states jump on this bandwagon or if hopefully it stays in california yeah well i mean but i mean this is a a big factor in britain too i mean they're is they're eating their pudding they're trying to figure out uh how, are they going to be in Europe. Well, they put Uber out of uh, London. They know. did. It's. Uh, I mean, it's not just in the U.S. We, we forget that it's, I mean, sometimes we like to think about that, but I have friends over in London and are like, this is, our situation is even worse than yours is because we, we, we were talking about having to stock up product because we're cutting ourselves off on all these trade agreements. Oh, okay. So it is a universal problem and it's a, it seems like a generational problem. I mean, look at Hong Kong, what's happened in Hong Kong with, you have this democratic, you know, this, this, this generation that's grown up under sort of uh, democratic and free speech is allowed, and all of a sudden, you know, they could be extradited to mainland China. It's it's a scary time, and a lot to talk about that goes well beyond freight. It's going to be an interesting election cycle. John, really appreciate you coming on. We should we got to do this exactly. again. Yeah, it, was, well. uh, it was fun getting back to the expedite days. Uh, do uh, if you enjoyed this show, please tune in to Freightways TV. You can find it on Apple TV. Roku or all other digital platforms where you can find streaming content. Uh, be sure to download the app today and tune in to Freightways TV. And thanks for watching. <laughs>